guys, welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and it's been a while since I last uploaded a podcast because adjusting here has been a lot, not harder than I thought, but just like a lot. Like I'm always working weird hours. When I go to bed, people are waking up. When I'm trying to schedule something, I can't. I It's just been like such a wild ride. And, and then time flies by. Like I can't even believe it's November sometimes because I feel like I just got here. And so I'm like, wait a second. I got here in August. It's almost like mid-November. That's insane. And I realize I haven't done a podcast in a while. And again, that's not because I'm neglecting it. There's just so much going on. So I wanted to catch you guys up in my past three weeks here since I've last uploaded the podcast just about adjusting and what's been going on in my life and what I'm planning to do, trips I'm taking, things I've noticed about myself, um, lifestyle, like everything. So let's just jump right in and I'll give you a few updates off the bat. So one of the larger reasons for me not posting recently was my grandfather actually passed away about two weeks ago. And I was in a really weird place because I was content because I know he wasn't suffering anymore. But at the same time, I didn't have any family members around. And that's really weird to know that your mom, it was my, um, my, the dad of my mom. So it was just really weird to not be able to be there for her and not being able to actually hug anyone or be able to be on the same time zone to actually, you know, FaceTime with them because it's in the middle of the night. And that's probably one of the hardest things about moving abroad is when tragedies like that happen, it's extremely expensive and hard to coordinate anything to get home and be around family. So if I actually wanted to go to the funeral or be there, it would have probably been thousands of dollars because it would have been last minute and to Puerto Rico, which, you know, isn't a huge hub for Australia. So that was probably one of the hardest things I've dealt with since I've been here. And my mom already lost her mom about 10 years ago. And I just started to feel sad, like, wow, my mom doesn't have her parents. And it really started to put a lot of things in perspective for me here. Like, what if I just didn't have both my parents? And that just started to weigh on me so heavily that it kind of shifted a lot of things for me while I was here. Like, yes, Australia is fun and I'm going out and I'm going to the beach and making friends, but family really is the most important. Like when I leave here, yeah, I'll have an amazing group of friends and people that I've met, but my family is the ones that are always going to be there. And so it was really important to me that now moving forward, I really try to carve out time to talk to them. So not just, oh yeah, let's see soon. Like I really want to start making dedicated times and days that I can speak to them. So that was, like I said, really hard. Um, I'm really content again just because he was suffering he actually had already had several open heart surgeries and he was doing a little better but then his organs just started failing one by one and it was just like what's the point of this like he didn't want to ever live like that he didn't want to be hooked up to machines and you know not being able to speak or think or do anything he was such a little firecracker like he would drive to the Hilton happy hour and then just hang out there and he was best friends with everyone there and he just had such an amazing support system and group of people that just to think of him not being able to live that way it was like mm, there's no point in in having him suffer like this so there's always this uh what's the word I'm looking for um I guess comfort there's always some comfort in knowing that someone's always with you too like I do believe there's an afterlife I do believe spirits exist I do believe souls exist and so it's just up to me now to look for those little signs and have faith in that because here's what I always think and I might have talked about this on a podcast before let's say you pass away and you really do go up to the sky and there's heaven and you get to look down and see what's going on with everybody I would hate to have that visual of my grandpa seeing me just sitting here doing nothing being depressed crying in my room flying back home and just going back to a mundane life like that's not what he would want. He would want me to keep going on this journey and keep actually living my life because that's what he did for himself. And so I always just think of that. Like, let's say he was really looking down on me, like he was looking at a little snow globe. Would he be, you know, like, oh, Chelsea's doing well down there. That's what I always think of. And it's funny because as I was thinking this, I taught a very big yoga class on the beach 
and it was overlooking a hill on the beach. And I think this was literally the day after, maybe a few days after he had passed away, that a whale came out of the water as I was talking about being grateful for what you have around you and your surroundings. And I was like, whoa, that's really crazy. I feel like that is a sign because the girl that actually teaches there every week was like, I have literally not seen a whale here in two years and she teaches there twice a week. And that was the first time she's seen one. So that just like, that's one of those little signs that you're like, oh, okay, like someone's with me, someone's watching. And it really gave me like a nice, it's almost like this blanket of relief. Like I know he's here and I know he's around me. So yeah, that was just obviously took a a big toll on me because I just wasn't around family and seeing your mom suffer and seeing people being really upset and, and then putting everything into perspective. It just, it just threw me for a loop a little bit. And so obviously I took some time alone and just to reflect on everything and, and take a break from any other activities I was doing. So that was, um, like I said, one of the hardest things I've done since I've been here. And I talked about before how I'm definitely missing weddings like this week coming up. Actually, I'm missing my old roommate's wedding and we were extremely close. She turned out to be one of my best friends when I lived with her and I'm missing her wedding and I lived with them for a year. I actually lived with her and her fiance. And so I'm missing that. I had to miss my grandfather's funeral. I'm missing several things. I'm probably missing more baby engagement, babies and engagements and things coming up. And so, um, you know, that's just like part of the deal. That's what I signed up for. And there's always going to be something happening. Like, let's say I waited for two more years to leave. Well, in two years, I'm sure my friend would be having another baby or my sister would be getting engaged or someone would be graduating. Like there's always something going on. And it's just like, you have to put in perspective, like, okay, how important is that to me to miss? Because if it is that important, then I'll make plans around it. But if it's something that I just have to sacrifice in order to move forward with my plan, then that's what I have to do. So yeah, just a little life update there. Um, what else has been going on? I I told you, I think in a few episodes ago, I have a hospitality job. I work at a little gelato spot and it is kind of crazy because I actually still work a lot, but my hours are so different. Like I'm closing or I'm opening or I'm working in the middle of the day. So I'm not like, I don't feel like, you know, I'm sitting that straight for 40 hours a week, like nine to five, just sitting there at a desk. So my weeks fly by. And because of that, I'm like, wait, that's what I was talking about. It's already mid-November because my days are so weird. Like they're never the same. And I don't get my schedule until later in the week because of the weather. So if it's really shitty out, they obviously don't need a ton of people working because not that many people are going to come in to buy gelato. So it's been really weird for me to plan ahead, like trips or even next week, next Saturday, like weekends, nights. And because of that, I'm like, okay, this is nice to have my footing here and, you know, have a paycheck. But now that I'm actually... Um, you know, getting settled and making friends and trying to, especially summers around the corner, I'm trying to make some major plans. I don't really know that I want to work nights and weekends. So I'm in the process now of finding something that might be during the day. And, you know, ironically, that might be a desk job, which is what I left. But I'm realizing the desk job would allow me to have my nights and weekends back, which again, is important for me because when I came out here, I wanted to meet people and usually people are doing stuff on the weekends or evenings when they're done with work. That's not to say everyone does that. I mean, I live in Bondi and it is a backpacker city. So almost every time you go out and walk around, it's not like it's a ghost town because everyone's at a desk job. Everyone's actually still walking around at the beach, going to cafes, doing fun things. So it's definitely, um, it's not impossible to hang out with people. It's just obviously easier if everyone has Saturday off to do something on Saturday and plan for weekend trips and things like that. So that's where I'm at now with, you know, working. And I'm also just trying to do a bunch of little side things. Like I don't feel like I was ever just meant to do one thing for the rest of my life. I've I've always liked dipping my hands in multiple projects. So I'm trying to do Airbnb experiences, which I actually got approved for two of those. I'm trying to start my private yoga teaching. I am having my gelato job. I actually work one day a week now at a yoga studio doing content creation. And so these are the things that I assess and I think about, is this going to make me happy or fill up my cup or fulfill me, however you want to say it. 
And if it's a no, then it needs to go because that's not the reason I came out here was to just, again, skate by and and do things I didn't like. Of course, I have to pay the bills, which is why I have the hospitality job. But, you know, when I'm thinking about long term, like, okay, what's after this? You know, let's say I only stay here a year or two. What can I actually use here that I could bring with me anywhere? And that would be the content creation and private yoga teaching. So as far as like side hustles and things that I'm up to, that has been a major focus of what my days when I have off are around. So my private teaching is going to be where I would actually do one-on-one teaching, just like a personal trainer would, but it's yoga in someone's home or, you know, whatever we agree on. And then we would work on, you know, a package. So this is a lot different than a studio where they provide everything and then you just get paid either per class or per headcount. This one, I make up my rates. I'm the one that sets the terms and conditions. I'm the one that has to figure out a good schedule. So it really is like running your own business. Like I actually have to get insurance and probably trademark my company name. And these are things that now that I'm starting to do it, it's like, whoa, this is this is not as easy as you think, but it's also not impossible. So like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to make a website and start, you know, going after clients, like no big deal. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't even have a network here. Like, how are you just going to get clients that are going to pay a lot of money? Anyone that's hired a personal trainer before, you know, they're not cheap. Same thing with private yoga teaching. Like I spent thousands of dollars on my certification. So I'm sure as hell not charging only like $10, $15 for a one-on-one session, especially because it's private and I'm completely tailoring it. It's going to be expensive and people are going to be maybe turned off by just hearing the price. But just like with a personal trainer, when I first heard my personal trainer's rates, I was like, hell no, I'm not booking that. I can go to Planet Fitness for 10 bucks a month, do the same workout. And then it all comes back to the why you invest in someone like that. Oh, because they customize it. They're paying attention week by week to your progress. They plan and hold you accountable. Those are the reasons for booking someone privately. And so that's what I've had to realize around private yoga teaching is, yes, it's going to be a bit pricier, but I have to stick to my guns. And so I've really tried to look for support systems around private yoga teaching because it is a whole new world to me. And I found that there are quite a few, not only Facebook groups, but podcasts. There's actually resources for people that are private yoga teachers. There's business coaches for private yoga teachers. And it just starts making you spin your wheels like, okay, look at all these random little career paths that we don't learn about in college that you just never think of until you start going down different paths. Like when I got my yoga certification, I was like, yeah, I'll just join a studio. And now that I'm here, I'm in Bondi Beach, which is, you know, an iconic beach in Sydney. It's very competitive. These studios want you to actually pay to do their programs first and then work with them, even though there's no guarantee. And you just start spinning your wheels like, is this the only route? Like, this is this is it. I can only do studio teaching. And then private teaching comes up and then corporate teaching comes up and then workshops and retreats and all these other things that then you realize, okay, Not only there's that, but then there's people that help those people. So then, like I said, the mindset coaches, the business coaches, like the teams. And it's really inspiring because it just shows me like I know there are little odd career paths that I can have that are just unconventional. It's just about finding what really sticks. So regarding the private yoga teaching, I actually hired a designer and brand strategist who's helping me build a logo, a website. She's really, really savvy with email marketing and social media and design. And so that was really important to me was was hiring a professional because, yes, I could probably make a website myself. I could shoot photos myself. I can copyright. But the thing is, as it comes to private yoga teaching, it's not just going to be pretty pictures and how to contact me. It needs to be very intentionally designed where someone that's looking at the prices or considering it or wants to just book quickly, there's no room for error or confusion. It needs to be crystal clear like what my rates are, what my terms and conditions are, because I feel like when you're vague, people start looking at you as a vague um, business owner and then try to take advantage of you. So that's exactly what I don't want to happen. I don't want to set rates and then have people be like, 
oh, well, I don't know, I saw on your website, maybe there's an offer coming up, or I don't know, maybe we could work something out where I do half here and half there, and and then you start agreeing because you just want the money, and that's something that I'm really trying to learn from all these Facebook groups and resources that I'm in, is how can I actually stick my guns? Because, of course, if I meet a nice person and they seem like a great fit and they want to do the program, for, but for, let's say, 75% of the price, there's part of me that's just like, yeah, like, why not give it to them? But then once you open that floodgate, it's like, okay, well, you already gave me a discount, so I'm going to just keep discounting it. And so there's been a lot of mindset work that I've really been trying to focus on around money, which is just something that when I got to Australia, that's the last thing I thought I would think about. Of course, money is on my mind because of, hello, I have to live here. But I mean, in terms of making money and and sticking to that, that's going to be hard. And I know it's going to be hard. And that's why I realized I, I need to like find professionals to help me. And so I actually right now joined a private yoga um, group that's basically this like, I'm trying to think of how to call it, like a coaching group that will start in January where I will be led by someone who has a very successful private yoga practice, who has very like proven results around people that have booked private yoga clients, kept them coming back, kept their rates, you know, no discounts, nothing like that and um stuck with it so it's not just you know a one and done deal these are people that are coming back and now these people have private yoga businesses and what i realized is it's it has nothing to do with experience i mean i guess it does a little bit but it has everything to do with mindset so if you come in i mean let's just paint a picture really quick there's yoga teacher a and b someone presents themselves confidently they have a website that looks very professional it's easy to book with them it's crystal clear what their rates are you have no questions about their terms and conditions reach out to them they're professional they know what they're doing they have great pictures photos and they're very clear in their communication okay i'm a little more confident that this person knows what they're doing versus person b who made their own website which isn't bad like they have great pictures they know how to take cool iphone photos they made a basic contact page they have an about me and um i don't know they have a gallery and they have a few client testimonials but there's no rates and when i reach out to them they're very flaky or they're just like yeah sure let's work something out it starts to feel like wait let's work something out i'm the client shouldn't you as a business owner be working this out like to me that leaves the whole floor open for me to just do whatever i want and then I would start trying to discount that person's rates. So again, these are all things that I had no idea about until I actually started getting into the practice of building this. Because in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'll just charge X amount per session, call it a day and see how that goes. And it's like, you're going to have pushback. People are going to want to discount you. People are going to make excuses day of, of why they can't show up. People are going to cancel last minute. And what are you going to do in those instances? Like just let everything slide by and it's such an eye-opening experience because it's really made me respect any business owner especially small business owners and female business owners and i'm starting to really dive into the whole business side of yoga specifically but just in general of like freelancing and i found another amazing group called freelancing females on facebook and it's so inspiring and builds confidence around holding true to your rates so people all the time will post in there like, oh, I have an amazing new client, but they said they can only pay for half now. And when they find the money, they'll pay the other half. And again, we're freelancers. Like people are like, sure. Yeah. Like, okay. That sounds like a great deal. And then people will comment and be like, absolutely not. You don't go to a restaurant and order the whole meal and then pay for half and then come back a few months later and say, oh, I found the other half. Here you go for my meal that I ordered three months back. And that was such a good analogy. It's like, why does the creative industry get walked all over? We're doing a service. We're helping your brand. You're you're going to make money off of whatever we create for you. Or in this instance for yoga, I'm going to be helping actually better your lifestyle. Maybe you can reduce stress or anxiety or just have a break to yourself or become more creative in the hour that we're together. Those are valuable things that need to have a dollar amount on them. And so working on the money mindset has been extremely, extremely reflective, especially with yoga. That's a whole other layer to it because yoga is like, I don't know how to describe it. Yoga is such a funny industry because it's like you pay thousands of dollars to get your certification, but then you're encouraged to teach free classes 
all the time just to build up your name. And then people work at studios and get burnt out and go to 20 classes a week making, who knows, like 20 to $40 a class, but they're burnt out because they're traveling all over town. And then that's it. And so I'm like, why is that? Like, why is yoga the one field where you actually pay thousands of dollars to get a certification, but then you teach for free? Like, that's insane. You don't go, you don't graduate from college after you just paid thousands of dollars and then work for free. You immediately try to find some type of entry-level job. Even if it's entry-level, you're getting paid. Like, usually you do an internship during college because you're still not getting paid. You don't do internships after you graduate and just paid for that degree. So it's weird that yoga is this model of of working backwards almost. And I totally understand like karma and teaching for free. And that is why I actually have taught for free on the beach several times. And I actually really enjoy it because I just think of people that can't afford it. Or maybe this is the one class that they'll go to and say, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I loved yoga that much. I actually want to invest in going to a studio now or going to work with Chelsea privately, whatever the case is. Because that's how yoga started for me. Like I went to one specific class and I was like, wow, I really do enjoy this. So that's why the free teaching I've been doing is to hopefully inspire someone to keep up their practice. And it is good karma, but I'm not doing that for the rest of my life. I'm not teaching for free five days a week after I paid, again, so much money to get my certification. And I know I keep going back to the paid thing, but it's it's much more than that. It's like I learned so much in my training. I have so much knowledge now that it seems insane to me that people don't have to pay to access that knowledge. And these beliefs around money and yoga and business all coming together, they start to kind of like make you question yourself. Like, am I greedy? Am I Am I turning yoga into not yoga? Am I being a good person as it comes to karma? Like, and it just starts weighing on you. You're like, yeah, well, wait, yoga is supposed to be like accessible to everyone. And, you know, yoga is something that if we want everyone to access it, then we need to lower the cost of entry and blah, blah, blah. And these are just some things that I hope to work on when I join that coaching group in January because it has been such a wild ride and I'm looking forward to addressing the beliefs I have around money and experience, especially coming from America. We have such a ladder to success. Like you go to college, you get your degree, you get an entry level job, you work your way up the ladder, you get a promotion, you get a new title, you get another promotion. It's such a like clear step-by-step pathway that when you do your own business, especially yoga, there's not like There are different levels of certification, absolutely. Like, I only have my 200 hour, which to me was a lot, and now I'm learning is like the minimum. A lot of people have 500 to 1,000 hours, but you don't get titles and all these different things where people are looking at you going, oh, well, you're not a senior yoga teacher, or you're not a, you're only a junior yoga teacher. Like, we don't use terms like that. And on the flip side, it's all about marketing. Like, it's sad to say, but it really is. There are so many people I know that are so successful around the yoga business that we probably have the same exact levels of experience, but because they know how to market themselves and capture leads and close a sale and negotiate and stick to terms, they're successful. So that's just something I've had to come to terms with is, yes, if I want to be a private yoga teacher, there's an entire business side of that that you might think would conflict with the yoga lifestyle. But like this is, like I said, this knowledge and experience is worth value so i need to put a dollar amount on that price so that's something that's just interesting that i wanted to update you guys on for anyone that's either starting a small business or thinking of launching something or thinking of making their side hustle something a little more mainstream is really thinking about the mindset that you have around money and your limiting beliefs and are there support systems or groups that you can join or access that might be able to get you past those So again, I join these groups and they're not cheap, but I know that part of being an entrepreneur is investing in yourself. Did I put it on my credit card? Yeah. Am I going to be in credit card debt until I pay this off? Of course, like this money won't disappear. But if I open myself up to other ways of making money outside of just my hospitality job, then I think I'm going to create more abundance in my life. I just have to get over those limiting beliefs I have around money and greediness and money's dirty and all these things that we were taught when we were younger because it's not. It's just an exchange of energy. So outside of the group that I joined, I also am working with 
a private coach next week on the corporate side of things. So we are going to be working on how I can get into corporate businesses who actually have employee benefit budgets that I could get paid to go to teach a workshop or a one hour class every Wednesday for a month. And that could be another source of income. So when I talk about being creative, I don't just mean being artsy. I feel like there's this misconception like, oh, I'm not creative. And you think, oh, I can't draw or paint or like write or something or shoot photos. Creative is also, there's a creativity to marketing. There's creativity to sales. There's creativity to um, just closing deals. Like there's a lot of different things that creativity can be applied to. So even working with this coach that I just did one-on-one for, I think we talked for maybe 45 minutes. I was like, wow, she's so creative in how she words things, in how her verbiage is used online, in how she markets herself. And I, it's one of those things, like I met her in a Facebook group and I barely know her, but the way she carried herself and markets herself and how creative she is with her pitch, you're like, oh, I want to work with her. And so that's the point that I want to get to is, yes, I want to be successful as a yoga teacher, but I, I need to think about the value that yoga means to people and what I can do to add value to people's lives and what dollar amount is that and how much do I need to live? Like there's a whole equation that goes into it. So that is where I'm at with yoga teaching. And like I said, I do teach free classes every once in a while with Bronte Beach Yoga and I'm teaching one next Sunday. It's supposed to be extremely big, especially it's about to be summer. So I'm excited for that. It definitely just helps me keep up my practice and meet new people. And it's really fun. It's on the beach. So it's like, why not? Like, hello, the beach yoga, meeting people. It's kind of a, an equation that makes sense for me. But again, that's not something I plan to do forever just because I got my yoga certification. I actually want to apply this to real life. Um, what else is going on? As far as meeting new people, I've started to meet a ton of new people just from my old housemates, just from work. Um, I told you guys I'm now doing content creation for a yoga studio that's one day a week. And that's something I want to talk about really quickly too. This is an exchange role where I get reimbursed for travel and I get to have a yoga membership and then uh, access to their online platform. So when I took that that position, I mean, it's almost an internship. If Let's call it what it is. It's an internship. It's an exchange role. It's an apprenticeship, whatever you want to call it. I'm not getting monetarily compensated, which you might be like, what on earth? You just did this whole rant about being compensated, which is funny because if anything, I should be compensated for this role because that is more of my background. I have a master's degree in digital media and storytelling. So this is something that off the bat, you should be like, well, you have a degree. Shouldn't you get paid? What's interesting is with my degree, I learned content creation and how to do all these things, but this was, when, 2014? We're almost in 2020. When I got my degree at my career fair, I basically fell into sales, which I ended up loving. And so I was basically selling content creators. And if you listen to my last podcast, I talk all about this, where I actually really loved the sales side and I was making really good money. But there was always this something inside me saying, like, what are you doing? This could be you. You like creating content. You've always somehow been creative, but you're selling it now. And so when when I came to Australia and I wanted to create content, when I took on this role, I was like, wait, this is exactly what I need to be taking in order to advance what I want to do. So yes, is it free, aka am I not getting, you know, money in my actual bank account? Yes. But... The good thing is because I am working with professional tools and I'm getting reimbursed for travel and a yoga membership, we can also flip how I look at that and say, well, now look at this. I don't have to pay for a yoga membership, which is like not cheap and it's an expensive studio. My travel is reimbursed. So any money that I'm spending to get there and back doesn't even count. And then I'm gaining skills by building a portfolio and they're trusting me with a lot. Like I'm creating digital ad banners. I'm creating magazine pages. I'm creating social media templates. And these are all things that I can immediately add to a portfolio that would make me um, basically more accessible to other small businesses or doesn't have to be small, but just other roles where I wanted to do content creation. This is how I had to get my foot in the door. I can definitely now that I'm at the place, mock things up and make a portfolio. But for me, it kind of was a confidence thing. I was like, I don't feel like I could apply to content production jobs without a portfolio or or without even knowing 
how to open a file in Photoshop and edit it. So now that I do have this one day a week job where again, everything is basically covered, it doesn't bother me that I have to work for free because one, I get out of my Bondi bubble, which I'll get to that in a second. Two, I, my commute is gorgeous. I get on a ferry and I pass the Sydney Opera House and the Harbor Bridge every day. Three, I'm working with amazing people in an environment that is just what I was talking about, like yoga, business, content creation. And four, I'm just accessing so many new skills that I never had before. So I'm just building my portfolio, building my skill set, which is why I agreed to take this role. Now, if it was five days a week, 40 hours a week, and it was an exchange, obviously that's a different story. Like doing exchange roles wouldn't pay my bills. I'm lucky enough that my current job let me work one day a week at this other job and I can still get my hours in to pay the bills. So it's just how you look at things and how you're actually, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Perceiving things. Yes. Does my ego creep in sometimes and say, what are you doing, Chelsea? Like you have a, you have two degrees. How are you taking an exchange role and have a hospitality job? And it's like, let's quiet that for a second. Let's flip the script. You get to pay your bills. You get to live in Bondi beach. You're learning new skills that you actually wanted to learn. I mean, I literally feel like I wrote on in a journal one day when I moved to Australia, I want to do content creation for a wellness brand and it's in my lap. So it would be foolish of me to not look at this as such an amazing opportunity and say, you're literally getting exactly what you asked for. Now it's a matter of flipping on the business switch that I've been working on and saying, okay, at some point, let's say after 12 weeks at this role, I do need to sit down and say, you know, where are we at? This is something that I have been working on consistently every week. Here's how I helped your business. Here are my ideas. Here's what I think could use improvement. Like there is a business side of this that has to come into play. And so that's something that I'm learning while being here is I'm learning a lot about business, which is funny because if you look at what I'm actually doing, I'm not doing a lot of businessy things in the day-to-day, like obviously on my gelato job, I'm scooping gelato and counting the register. And with this role, I'm creating content. But there's this whole side of like negotiation and setting rates and sticking to your ground that I'm learning that these are the skills I wanted to learn when I came here. And so this is something that when I let my ego creep up, I just have to remember like, this is exactly what you wanted to do. Look at it that way. And so that one day a week job is not paid, but I feel like I'm learning so much from it. So that is what's going on with like personal day-to-day business life, what I'm working on, what I'm learning here. Um, and that's just like regarding bills and income. As far as culture wise, it's really funny because there's not, everyone makes fun of this, but there's not a lot of like culture in Australia. Like everything we eat here is anything you could eat in America. They actually have more cheeseburgers here, like cheeseburger spots than I would ever imagine than even America. And so far people that have visited have said the same. They're like, wait, I keep running into burger places. I'm like, yeah, it's like America. They have McDonald's. People are drunk eating in at McDonald's just like they do in America. They have fast food places. Um, a lot of people eat at cafes. I, I've talked about this before. The cafe culture is huge. And so the cafes here though, it's not just like pastries and, and you know croissants. It's actually like full-blown meals. And it's just a bit different because you're so used to going to all these like Instagrammable restaurants where here it's more like Instagrammable, Instagrammable, is that even a real word, Uh, cafes. And it's just been funny to see that like it is like eating out in America, like chicken parm sandwiches, burgers, fast food. So it can be really easy to fall down an unhealthy route, which is why I've really been trying to cook at home, especially because it obviously adds up when you eat out. So I've been making a lot of green smoothies. I've been trying to cook at home and trying to teach myself to cook more. Uh, We don't have a microwave in my place and I'm just so lazy. I don't want to go to the city and buy one because I'm at the beach now. There's not like a really a place to buy microwaves. You have to go into this place called the junction and I'm just so lazy. I don't want to go buy one. And I know people bop around and move so much here that I was like, I really don't want to move and have to like carry this microwave around. So because of that, when I get home, especially from a late shift and I'm like, oh, I'll just heat something up in the microwave. It's like, no, you have to heat up a pan. You have to cook something. You have to turn on the oven and it's really forced me to cook more. So I'm actually kind of grateful for that because again, my ego would be like, you don't have a microwave. Like, why are you even moving in there? Or you have to cook every day. Like, fuck that. Just get a microwave, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
why don't I just learn to cook? That's an easy alternative. That's something I've wanted to do. So why not just hit that button and say, okay, it's time to learn how to cook. So I've been cooking more. And what's interesting is I actually feel, I'm not even, I don't even know that I'm cooking the healthiest things, but because I'm not that stressed about anything and I don't track anything and obsess over anything, I actually feel like I'm getting in better shape. I'm definitely getting in better shape because of the gelato job. I'm on my feet all day. I'm running around. I'm carrying huge trays of gelato. Like everything there is heavy and uh, cleaning and moving around. Like I'm literally on my feet for seven hours at a time with minimal breaks. So that already keeps me active. But at the same time, I'm doing yoga and Pilates. I haven't done any HIIT classes since I've been back from yoga training. So before, you guys, anyone that lived in Florida knows I was freaking psychotic about burning like basically as many calories as possible. I had a spin membership, a personal trainer. I went to Pilates and yoga and I was literally going to spin and personal training in the same day or Pilates and personal training. I was basically doing a combo of two exercise activities every day right before I moved, especially because all my memberships were about to expire. So I was just doubling up doing like two days where I was literally working out like 12 to 14 times a week. And I think for me, hello, hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back at the time, I thought I was doing so well because I had always been someone that didn't like working out. So to go from working out to working out two times a day, multiple times a week, to me, I felt like I had overcome one of my biggest limiting beliefs, which was that I just am like not good at working out or I hate working out. I'm not a big exercise person. And I was just wanted to prove that to myself. But now looking back, I'm like, uh, if anything, I feel like my body is better now because I'm treating it well. I'm not stressed out. I'm walking around. I'm getting fresh air. I'm getting sunlight. I'm going to the beach. I'm not overly obsessed with tracking anything. I'm not freaking out when I go out to eat about the menu and what do they have and can I order this? And it's actually, I think, helped my hormones. And because of that, I now think I'm less stressed. And now that I'm not stressed, I don't have cortisol, uh, which basically means I'm not holding on to anything. And so I was just talking to someone about this because they were like, oh, you look like you've lost weight. And I'm like, you know what's weird is if I have lost weight, it has definitely been unintentional. Like I am not hitting the gym, opening up my Apple Watch, making sure I hit 500 calories, which I 100% was doing right before I moved here. And I was tracking everything I ate. I was trying all these different meal plans. I mean, anyone that followed along my stories saw this. Like I was trying out Kettlebell Kitchen. I was tracking things. I was maybe gonna try keto. I was gonna, it was just so much. And now that I've been here, I'm like, okay, when I go grocery shopping, just get things that are healthy. Like the smoothies definitely help, but I'm not freaking out about how much of this is in the smoothie or how much of that or what can I eat here and oh my gosh, if I go out to eat, like I can't go there because they don't have this option, which is how I was when I lived in America. And now that I'm doing yoga and Pilates, which are so low impact and like low stress, I feel like I leave less stress and therefore my body isn't like holding on to anything. If you guys don't know what cortisol is, you can A, Google it, or you can listen to my podcast with Ingrid Delamar Kenny. She is a big believer in this. She thinks this is why Americans have such obesity problems because we are always stressed. We're eating at our desks. We're running around. We're in the Starbucks drive-thru. We don't take breaks. We eat lunch at different times and then dinner, and then we're just freaking out all the time about when to eat, and then we're tracking things, and we're on a plan, and we're on a program, and it's like, whoa, hold our horses, like just relax. You know, it's good for you. Like something that's real whole food that's not processed is probably better for you than a bowl of Cheerios and a bag of Cheetos. Like it's kind of common sense at some point. And here's the thing. I am not speaking on if you have a specific issue or you've actually seen, you know what, Chelsea, I followed a 10 week program and it worked for me and I've never felt better. That's amazing. Like I actually wish I could do that. For me, I don't work well like that. I actually don't, I mean, hello, I'm in a place right now where I just said my routine is different every day. I've moved seven times. Like I've, I'm not the type of person that can just follow a structured thing for that long. And so for me, if I know that about myself, then I have to adapt to that about myself. You know what I mean? It goes back to when I joined four gyms in Chicago because I was like, why pay all this money for Orange Theory or Barry's Bootcamp when I could do the exact same workout at my gym? Oh, well, my gym is open and they don't give a shit when I come in or not. So 
when I when I have to go, if I don't want to go, no one cares if I show up or not. I already paid the gym bill, which is different in Barry's boot camp or Orange Theory. If you don't show up, you get charged, you buy your packs ahead of time, you don't want to just throw your money out the window. So I know that about myself. Like I know I don't work well with gyms and doing my own thing because I need someone to provide that structure to me. So that's why I like ClassPass and signing up for classes and booking things ahead of time because of that accountability. So I just work well with accountability when it comes to exercise. Now, when it comes to eating, especially like I said, with my schedule right now, I'm opening, I'm closing, I'm staying later, I'm working a shift I didn't know I was going to work. I don't really have the luxury to just prep ahead and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, I guess I could. I just don't like planning that far in advance because I never know my plans. So instead of doing that, I just use common sense like, okay, don't go to McDonald's on your break or obviously, I mean, that's disgusting, (laughs) but don't go to like a kebab shop on your break. Just go home. I live right by my work and make a quick, easy salad or smoothie or chicken or whatever the case is instead of freaking out and being like, oh my God, I ate a kebab and fries and now I'm gonna have to track it and I went over my macros and blah, blah, blah. Like, again, I know this works for people. Most of my friends back home follow these plans are in an amazing shape. For me specifically, this does not work. So because of that, because I'm eating real whole foods, I'm not stressing out, I'm at my job walking around all the time, and I'm doing yoga, which I I don't want to go on a soapbox here, but let's think about yoga for a second. You're using your body weight the entire time, and you're holding yourself in positions that you normally don't hold. So I'm getting stretched out, I'm getting leaner, I'm using my body weight to hold myself up in half these positions, And so I can tell I'm building muscle from that. And same thing with Pilates. Like you have to balance, you have to use your core, you have to use your spine. So for me, it's also about the internal health. Like, of course, do I want to look like Kylie Jenner without surgery? Yeah. But at the same time, do I want to be stressed out, tracking things left and right, freaking out every day? No. And so I've kind of just come to accept that that's that's where I'm at. You know, like if I feel good, then I feel like everything else in turn follows and it just starting to show like even the other day I walked into work actually after a night out on Halloween and my boss said I looked well rested and relaxed like what well rested and relaxed I just went out but I'm like maybe that's because I'm not stressed out about anything anymore like I don't really give a shit that I drank the night before and freaking out that now I have I you know ruined my whole day and now I'm just gonna eat like shit and go into a hangover spiral like no yeah I went out now I'm back to it and so It is just a weird shift of like, you know, once you let all the stress of all that stuff go, I think everything else follows. So I'm feeling really good about my health, except as of the last two weeks, which I'll jump into in one second. But when I first got here, I was like, oh, it's kind of nice not to be like freaking out every day about doing two classes a day and how I'm going to fit it in and what I'm eating and does it follow this plan and is it going to go over on my point system or my macros or whatever the case is. It's like just eat real stuff and it will work out and move your body, which is not hard to do in Australia. So I've hinted at the Bondi bubble and my last two weeks. And let me just tell you, summer is coming. And we all know summer, everyone gets rowdy. And I'm getting a feel for that right now. Um, I, for some reason, the last two weeks have reverted to being like a 23-year-old fucking insane person. I'm literally going out every other day. I'm sleeping in. I'm raging, I'm drinking, like, it's been insane, which is so funny, because I think maybe a few podcasts ago, I was like, yeah, I'm not really drinking that much, it doesn't appeal to me anymore, I'm very much into my health and wellness, which is what I've been talking about, yoga and Pilates and health, but with summer around the corner, Bondi is literally all backpackers, I might have mentioned this before too, but there's like not one Australian person in Bondi, it is literally all British people, Actually, I was on Hinge the other day and this guy had a fun fact about himself and it's like something that might surprise people and it was like that I'm the only British guy that doesn't live in Bondi, which now is like a funny inside joke that I feel like I can relate to because everywhere you go out in Bondi, it's British people or just backpackers. So if you want a true Australian experience and to meet, you know, Australian residents, Bondi is not the spot because everyone here is just traveling because everyone's traveling, everyone's going out more. Now all the patios are opening up. Now they're doing summer specials. Now there's happy hour. It's almost the same as when I was in Chicago and there would be like a hint of sunshine and all of a sudden every rooftop was open. Everyone's rollerblading down the the lake side. Everyone's having picnics. Like that's what is starting to happen now. 
which I already felt like was happening because it's been nice out. But now that it's really starting to to heat up, I'm like, oh my God, it, I'm basically having two summers. Like I had my American summer and now I've had my Australian summer. And just imagine having like six plus months of summer. It's a lot. And so when I first got here, I wasn't going out that much just because I was ad- adjusting. I didn't have my place yet. I wasn't really sure where I was living or what I was doing or the money I was making. But now that I have like more friends and I have an apartment to live in and I'm actually uh, settled in, like I'm now starting to go out more. So if my friends are like, hey, we're going to go out and do this bar, which is a five minute walk from my place. Yeah, I'm probably going to go do that. So I have been going out a ton, especially because everyone here has hospitality jobs. So it's not one of those things where if we go out on a Thursday, we have to freak out and worry about getting to work at 9 a.m. the next day. And even if they do, they like don't care. They just plow, <laughs> they just plug through it. I'm laughing because so many of my friends did this last week where everyone just went to work at like 8 or 9 a.m. after going out on Halloween. And it's been insane because it's just like, what? what? This is the lifestyle I lived when I was 23. And because of my job where, you know, I'm not working every single day or I have a Wednesday off or I have a Friday off or I don't close. I mean, I don't open on Friday, so I, ha- I don't have to be work till five. Then, yeah, I can go out Thursday and, and chill all day on the beach Friday. And it's such a different, obviously, lifestyle than I was living in America where you have your weekend and it's usually Friday and Saturday because Sunday is self-care day. Everything is backwards here. Like I'm going out Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, this, that. There's an event. There's a race. There's a final. There's a duh. Like always something is happening. And I'm really starting to feel the effects of it this week. I feel like I was just under the weather. I was tired. I was groggy. My room's messy. And I'm like, okay, you need to chill out. Like just take a fucking break. So I think in the next week or so, I'm going to try and just relax a little bit. Even though, like I said, it's about to be summer. So um, it's going to be interesting because everyone is coming out in Bondi more. There's more events. Like I said, there's more drink specials. There's more bars opening up bigger places. And it's just, uh, I'm like, I'm just like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm just thinking about this already. And I'm like laughing inside because I say I'm going to take a break. But if someone invites me out, it's like 24 year old Chelsea, I'll, I'll go out. So what's other, what's also interesting is the people I'm going out with. My closest group of friends right now are probably in their young, I'm trying to think a lot here, younger 20s. Yeah. So yeah, my group is a basically groups of younger 20 something people. And most of them are guys. Um, so who would have thought that my best friends would end up being like 23 to 25 year old guys, basically from the UK, but that's who I'm hanging out with a lot. Two of them are my neighbors and they're so fucking hilarious that I go out with them all the time. Then my other friends from Yacht Week are all in their 20s too. And those are all guys that live around here as well. And so because I know them well, it's obviously just easy to go out with them and try and make a whole new group of friends. But luckily I am making new friends. But what I realized here is like age just doesn't matter. So when I first started hanging out with people, I was like, okay, obviously, you know, I'm not going to hang out with 24 year olds all year. I need to meet people that are my age. And now that I'm hanging out with them, I'm like, it doesn't really matter. Like if we're all you know, want to do the same thing and go have a beer or go get drunk or go to the beach or go on a trip. Like we can all do the same thing. And so if anything, I kind of realized like I'm being an asshole here. (laughs) Like I'm judging people by their age. I am judging people by the words they use that aren't American English. I'm judging people by their lifestyle. And I'm like, God, am I like that American asshole? And that's what I've learned is there is something about Americans that we think, and I think this is like a media thing, that we just know better. Like, oh yeah, I know you say that word, but that's the that's the wrong way to pronounce it. We pronounce it this way. Instead of just saying, no, you, you both pronounce it differently. They're your own country's respective words. Like there is something where we think, no, 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 but it's our way that's right. Or that's the way you say it, not that way. Um, and so that was just something that I've like come to a realization is like I need to let all that stuff go is like Americans we don't know better it's not the right way it's just a different way and I actually remember when I was going to try and move to the UK I tried to talk to someone there and outside of just you know bank and apartment advice I was like whether you know what other advice do you have around just adjusting and he was like he's from America so he goes you know there is just something about Americans where we think we're a little superior. So just make sure you don't come off that way. And I was like, what is he talking about? Like I'm moving to England. If anything, I feel like English people 
automatically they sound superior because of their accents, which is another funny thing. I've noticed definitely when someone's British, I automatically think they're like smarter, more posh, more sophisticated, more elegant. And that obviously comes from the media and having a royal family and all the things that we watch and see. British people are usually like the smarter people or they're the professors or they're the detectives. Like you don't really see like dumbass British people on TV. And of course, I'm sure there's British people laughing, being like, uh, what the fuck? Like what's happening? And so, um, they're like, no, there's actually idiots around Britain and English people are not all smart, but there is this like tendency to just think that. So because of that, um, there is also a tendency for Americans to like, it's like, we don't realize that there's this whole other world outside of America that people say things differently. They do things differently. They date differently. They pay differently. There's just all this different stuff. And so that's something that I've had to like check myself is like, Chelsea, just because you grew up in America doesn't mean that it was the right way. It was just the American way. And so because of that too, I've had an issue with getting over people's ages, which is funny because when I moved here, I was like, of course, who cares? Like when I travel, you know, and do hostels or anything, everyone I hang out with is always different ages, but I've always tended to hang out with older people. And especially like even thinking back to high school, when I was a freshman, I was hanging out with seniors. When I was in college, I was hanging out, when I was a freshman there, I was hanging out with juniors and seniors. Even when I became a senior, I only hung out with seniors. I never hung out with the younger girls. Even moving on to my job, I was hanging out with people that were five plus years older than me in Chicago. Like everyone was always older than me. And so coming here where it's the opposite, where I'm everyone I'm hanging out with is younger, it's like this weird, like, I don't know what to call it, misconception I've had that like, oh, everyone younger is immature and you're not going to get along with them. You won't be able to talk about the same things. They don't, just don't get it. They're not older. They don't have enough life experience. And I'm like, wait a second. Half these people have more life experience than I do. A lot of people from Europe start traveling when they're like 14. And they're most of them are like forced to study abroad. It's not like an option. They usually live abroad for a year. And because everything over there is like, you know, an hour or two plane right away, they see culture from the moment they're in their teens, if not younger. And so when I came here... And I'm hanging out with, you know, these 24-year-olds who have done just six months abroad backpacking around Asia and then studied abroad in France for a year and can speak three languages. It's like, who am I to say just because I'm four years older that I'm more experienced than them? Like, they might have had longer relationships. They might have been through different things. They might have seen tragedy earlier. Like, this is now where I'm really starting to understand the whole age is just a number. I used to, like, say that in my head, like, age is just a number, who cares? But now that I'm actually living it and hanging all younger people, I'm like, it really is a number. Like, if you didn't tell me any of these people's ages, I wouldn't give a shit. But because I now know their ages, it's like, oh my god, I can't hang out with these people. I need to find people my own age. And yes, there is something to be said about that when it comes to maybe like dating. But even then, it's like, if someone is on the same page as you, has the same goals, makes you feel good, you have fun, you support each other, like, why should age matter that much? And that is something huge I've had to overcome. So like I said, I kind of realized I've been like an American asshole thinking I'm like too good to hang out with younger people or that I'm saying the right things and we do it the right way and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, get over yourself. So yeah, I have been going out with people that aren't my age. I've been on dates with people that aren't my age. I have hooked up with people that aren't my age. They're just all over the place. And I, it's just something you like have to get over, especially if you're being a backpacker no one gives a shit about your age you're all in bondi you're all just trying to have fun so yeah that's where i'm at my group is younger i've been going out with younger guys and that's something that i've had to get over like (laughs) obviously when you go out with younger guys too you're gonna be drinking more and they're here to party like they didn't come to australia to settle down and build a white picket fence home they came to party so when i go out with them i'm like wait, we're, we're probably not going to dinner. We're probably going to go to like a bar and get really drunk because they're 24 or 23 or whatever the case is. And that's, that's been my experience so far. So I've been out, I've been, I haven't really been like dating per se. It's just more of like meeting people through other people and going to fun events. Like there was the rugby final. And then there was just this huge horse race on Tuesday, which Jesus Christ, that took like 10 years off my life. But I, I'm going out with all these different people of different ages and it doesn't bother me anymore. So if I'm going to continue talking about it, then I need to get over it. You know what I mean? Like it's, 
it's like, okay, if you're going to hang out with people different ages, then just stop talking about age altogether and stop asking about it. I think that's a big thing that Americans do too. And of course I'm like generalizing here, but we tend to ask like, how old are you and what do you do here? It's so weird because everyone has such odd jobs. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to phrase this. Bondi is basically a bubble and it's a bunch of people just trying to get through this working holiday visa, make money and have fun. So everyone is working weird jobs. Like there's people washing cars. There's people that are receptionists. There's people that work at gelato places. There's bartenders, there's servers, there's people that are lifeguards. Like everyone is doing something different. So the whole like, what do you do thing in America? That was because we wanted to impress people or show our qualifications or degrees or show off to our friends. Like, oh my God, he's a this, he's a this, he does this. Where here it's like, no one cares. Like, no one cares that I work at a gelato spot. I don't care that this person does this. I don't care that we don't have nine to fives because at the end of the day, we're all here doing the same thing. And because of that, the whole what do you do question is like irrelevant. And then it goes back to the age thing. Like, age used to be something I feel like I used to ask just to confirm we were like on the same maturity level. But here, maturity is like <clears throat> not relevant to age. Like I said, I know 21-year-olds here that have literally lived here for two years that have backpacked around the world that probably could navigate a conf- like a bad situation better than I could just because they have more life experience traveling. So to me, asking your age and what do you do, it's actually really hard for me to stop doing that. And then it makes me realize, okay, get over that. But also if you're going to ask that question, it's like, why? Is it because your ego? Is it because you want to feel better? Do you want to feel more mature than someone? Are you just trying to make sure you're on the same maturity level? Because if you're out with them and you're talking to them and you're having fun, why would age all of a sudden matter? So that's a big update is just like getting over age and job titles and everything. Like none of that matters. And Bondi is the smallest bubble in the world. Like Australia is huge. Sydney's huge. Bondi is big, but it's not that big. Like I will turn the corner and run into someone every single day which obviously you have to like tread carefully when you think about dating and going out with people and what you're doing. It's it's almost like being in college where you're like, oh my God, what did I say last night? And then you run into the guy and you're like, oh fuck, what did I say to him? I was wasted or, oh my God, what that girl, like how do I know her? She looks familiar. Every single time I go out and like leave my apartment, I'm not kidding, I run into someone I know. So that is interesting because I've really only been here since when? mid-September because I was in Bali and before Bali I was in a different part of Sydney so I've really only been in Bondi for maybe seven weeks but I'm already starting to find familiar faces like it's the same thing as any like small town or even not even a small town but you know when you just live in a city and you go to the same five bars so you see the same group of people you know the security guards you see the same bartender you know what table people are sitting at like it's starting to feel like that for me which when I first got here, I didn't feel like that at all. I was like, how am I ever going to meet people? Like, it's so lonely. I can't meet anyone. Or now I'm feeling the opposite where I'm like, oh my God, if I go to that bar, that person's going to be here. I know these people hang out here. I'm sure if I go out on a Saturday to this place, these people will be there. And it's like, it's, it's just interesting. So that's definitely a hot tip if you plan to move to Bondi. It is a small, small bubble. And they even call it the Bondi bubble. And it's like, It's like LA, it's kind of hard to leave. Like once you're in your little town or city or neighborhood, to get out is just annoying to travel. And you're like, why would I go to another beach when I have a beach right in front of me? So that's kind of a goal of mine coming up is to start breaking out of this bubble and go to other beaches. Like the other day, we went to a beach called Kuji where the Royal Randwick race was and we went out there and it was so much fun. So I was like, you need to suck it up and get on the bus or take a train or whatever it is. It's not a train, but a bus or walk or anything to get to these other parts of Sydney because it's beautiful and I'm just getting stuck in my little Bondi bubble just because it has everything, you know? It has cafes, there's yoga studios, the beach, uh, everything that you could want is like here and it really reminds me of LA. It's like, okay, if you want to leave, you really have to make an effort and you have to plan ahead, but I do want to start doing that. So yeah, that's an update on Bondi life, age and, and work titles and things like don't matter. And it's overall, I feel like if I could sum this podcast up, it's like checking my ego at the door. Like I need to get over job titles and incomes and bank accounts and experience and what I did in my past and what do I, what am I going to do? It's like focus on the now and do I feel good? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but if my ego gets in the way and I was like, I can't believe you work at a gelato spot and you're working for free at a yoga studio. Like, are you kidding? Yeah. Then I'm going to feel like shit every day. 
if I flip that around and say, wow, you get a job where you have flexibility to pay your bills, that's not even hard. And then you can still go out during weekdays or weekends and you can still enjoy the beach on a random Tuesday. And you're actually building skills in another part of the city that I get to see and have a beautiful commute every day and work with awesome people. Then yeah, I'm going to feel much better about that. So it really is just like checking my ego at the door and leaving all these like sap, sap, past self-limiting beliefs behind and now really trying to dive into more of the business side of things because that's what I eventually want to do is be self-employed and own my own business. And obviously I can't do that without doing the work. So yeah, it sounds fun to be a business owner, but there's a million things that are popping up like legalities and LLCs and taxes. Like even the fact that I'm here, it's like, can I even start one? Because I'm technically on a temporary visa. What if I stay another year? Like so much is going on around that. So that's where I'm at. And for the record, I think I do plan to stay another year. And in order to do that, you have to do 90 days of regional work. And Americans are different because we have um, a clause where we can actually do hospitality work. So I could go be a waitress, a barista, a bartender, whatever, in another part. It has to be a specific regional zip code. But every other visa, they have to do farm work. So they literally have to like pick berries, pack avocados, peel potatoes, like very specific farm work because Australia is so huge, they need the help. And that's how they offer people second year visas. And so when I first got here, this goes back to checking my ego at the door. I was like, I'm definitely not doing that. Like, no way. I'll just do my year, hopefully get a work visa or just find a different visa and figure it out. There's no way I'm going to work 90 days in some remote location and do anything that's not what I've done in my past. And now that I'm here, I'm like, oh my God, everyone does their farm work. Like everyone, everyone wants to say a second year. So it's like, it's almost common. They're like, oh, when are you doing your farm work? Yeah, I think I'm going to go here. Yeah, we're planning to do our farm work. It's like a topic of conversation that but even hearing the word farm work to an American, you're like, what the, I'm not doing farm work. And now that I'm here, I'm like, it's almost silly not to do farm work. It's a guaranteed second year visa, no questions asked, where if I don't do that, I gamble with the uh, possibility of not getting a work visa, which are actually pretty hard to get, or you have to get a tourist visa, which is only 90 days, or a partner visa where you have to prove that you and a partner are together by combining your bank accounts, mail. It's like an interview process. It's actually really lengthy and hard to do that. So the easiest way is just doing this 90 days. But now that I'm here, I'm like, well, it's already been, what, four months, three months, four months since I've been here. And I don't want to miss summer. So if I actually want to do this work, I'm going to have to do it like right after summer. So that's something that's on the horizon is thinking about, okay, time is flying by here. Do I want to stay another year? And I feel like I do because I feel like I'm just getting settled and I want to see so much more of Australia. So yeah, I think for the record, I am going to try and stay another year and do my regional work. So if anyone has lived in Australia or knows of places like quality, good places that are dependable that, you know, don't rip you off for the regional work for Americans, let me know because I'm starting to think about that. I think that's it. Um, One other update is I might be moving again. (laughs) I'm laughing because I've literally moved like six times already. Um, And this time is just because even though I pay rent weekly, it is actually becoming very expensive. And I thought I could handle it. But now with summer and going out and, and just partying and eating out and nightlife and getting Ubers and all these things, it's starting to add up. And so I'm like, uh, I think I'm gonna have to find a cheaper place. So might be moving again. And that's just the name of the game. Like, it's so weird here. I told you in one of my podcasts, like there's no leases, you just put a deposit down and you walk in and you basically move in. So here it's, it's kind of nice. Cause it's like, For me, it's not like I have to wait till the end of the year or break my lease or sign a contract. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, I told my roommate we worked it out. I'll get my deposit back when I leave and then I'm just going to find a new place. So um, it's really interesting because a lot of people do that here. It's so weird because in America, usually you sign like 12 month leases and people mostly like to stay for more than a year. So then you sign like 48 months or whatever the case is. Like you just constantly renew your 12 month lease. Here it's like people are up and moving all the time like since I've been here me and my friends we've all moved at some point so it's like you just don't get used to the fact like oh that's where that person lives it's like yeah we all know we live in a general area but as far as our actual flats go we're always moving around and 
like someone wants to move closer to the beach someone wants a cheaper place someone thought they liked their last place but they realize it sucks and it's old so now they want to move and so that's just kind of the name of the game in bondi and i did not realize that until i moved here like i thought i would just be staying in the same place for six months at least and it's just not the case people are constantly moving and no one cares like no one's like oh my god like you're moving again like most people have moved that much so yeah that's my last update um trying to think of anything else there's just been so much going on i think like i said the biggest takeaway is checking my ego at the door getting over the age thing and just trying to have fun with it and i'll i'll have fun with who i want to have fun with and that's that summer's coming up so i'm sure you'll hear some insane stories because like i said apparently i'm 24 years old again living my chicago insane lifestyle and i know there will be insane stories so All you need to know right now is that um, stay tuned for that because it's on the brink of summer and I will be back in action with weekly posting. Like I said, it's just been a bit of a whirlwind with moving and my grandfather passing away and time zones and trying to keep up with everything. But I do have several interviews coming up with people that you will love to hear from. People that have started their own businesses, people that have completely sold everything to live minimalist lifestyles, people that have founded companies that are major companies now. Like I said, business is something that I'm focusing on. And so I really want to start asking questions around that side of things and how you really get a business up and running. So stay tuned every Thursday. These will be out. And if you want to hear from any specific guests, let me know. You can email me hello at inmynonexpertopinion.com or just follow me at Chelsea Rife on Instagram and Twitter. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A r-i-f-f-e you can dm me let me know what you think and if you found any value in this podcast entertaining funny educating whatever please leave a five-star review it really really helps me out it's like the same way as booking a guest they want to see how many reviews you have i can't book any cool guests if they don't see any reviews so just consider it payment this is a free podcast i've been doing this for almost two years And it's been something that I love doing. So consider it your form of payment if you just leave a review and rating. All right. With that, I will see you guys next Thursday. 